This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. You're looking to sell your home? At realestateagentsitrust.com, our goal is to ease the stress of home selling by helping you sell your home as quickly as possible at the best price possible. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and I want to thank you. In just the last few months, thousands of Blaze Radio listeners just like you have contacted our agents. So if you're thinking of selling your home or if you want help buying a home, go to realestateagentsitrust.com and let our individually selected agents earn your business. realestateagentsitrust.com story from Bloomberg today. Trump eyes Nevada for third consecutive victory. Even if it happens, so what? It's not, I so mean, what? I mean, ask Paul Songas. Well, you can't. He's dead. Uh, but, uh, but you can go back and take a look at, at how important three straight wins in the primary season was. Uh, you can look at a million different people for that. I, I think Songas won three straight. Might not have been three consecutive, but he won several. He won a lot. In fact, for a while in the 1992 election cycle with uh, Clinton, it's interesting to look back at that and see how weak a field that was yeah. for the Democrats. It was unbelievably weak. You had, you know, Paul Songus, a senator from Massachusetts, very few people had ever heard of. You had Tom Harkin from Iowa. Wasn't uh, uh, your guy in that one? Uh, your favorite uh, Gephardt? Dick Gephardt? Gephardt was not in that. What? That's how weak a field it was. Gephardt wasn't even in you, it. That's true. You would not have referred to it as weak <laughs> no. if Dick Gephardt was in uh, it. It would have been powerful, man, if, if Gephardt was in it. From the Heartland? Dick Gephardt? Are you kidding me? Uh, here we go. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Uh, here we go. Uh, <clears throat> former Mayor Larry Agron. I don't know who that is. That's probably a minor candidate. Uh, mm-hmm. Jerry Brown. California. Oh, Jerry Brown. Mm-hmm. Bill Another Clinton. weak candidate. Uh, governor from California who's run 38 times. Uh, Bill Clinton, of course. Clinton. Bob, and Bill Clinton, by the way, bad candidate at the time. Like, yes. He, he, oh, now terrible. Now we look back oh at him, he was president, he won two terms. Terrible. He's survived scandals, but he, he was a, a small state governor that no one knew. Exactly. And he came into the race with 1.7%. Wow. 1.7%. Um, Bob Kerry of Nebraska. Bob Kerry of Nebraska. Come Tom, on, man. Tom Harkin of Iowa. Right. Paul Songus of Massachusetts. You yep. forget about how strong Songus was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do. You do. Uh, he wasn't. <laughs> Douglas Wilder of Virginia, who actually wound up being really a... Uh, Douglas uh, Wilder. Uh, he, uh, kind of a... He was against Obama later on in life. Um, was he? Was, he? But yeah, he was. Huh? He, we had him on the show. Um, he, he still does uh, appearances and stuff. Uh, African-American gentleman who was mm. uh, not an Obama fan. Okay. Um, uh, Senate, former Senator Eugene McCarthy of yeah, Minnesota. Eugene McCarthy. Terrible candidate. <laughs> I mean, come on. This um, is a bad field. So this is how it went. Uh, Iowa caucus, Tom Harkin wins. Harkin won big, t- like Iowa. 76% or something. Correct. Huge. Uh, good job there. Pat, Pat has been Thank looking you. at this recently, mm-hmm. um, but doesn't have it in front of him at the moment. Then you had uh, 
Paul Sognis won New Hampshire, uh, 33 to 25 over Clinton. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Bill Clinton won 3% in Iowa. 3. 3%. Um, the main caucus was next. Jerry Brown won it with 31%. Sognis second, 29%. Clinton, uh, no, excuse me, uncommitted third with 16%. Then Bill Clinton at 15. He was a pretty de- distant fourth yep. in so, Maine. Then uh, wow. South Dakota was a heavy state for okay. Bob Kerry. Bob Kerry won. 40%. Yeah. Second place, Tom Harkin, 25. Third place, Bill Clinton, 19. Jeez. So, again, he has not finished ahead. Of, what did he, was second his, in New Hampshire? He was, was second in New thing. Hampshire, yeah. Uh, then uh, Colorado, mm. uh, 29% for Jerry Brown, 27% for Bill Clinton, 26% Paul Songus. And then finally, March 1st, you get your first Clinton win. It was actually March 3rd, Third. Uh, Georgia, okay. uh, where he had 57%. Wow. Um, right, because the 6th or 7th was South Carolina, right? So this is seventh, March, yeah. What's that? Uh, yeah, March 3rd, where there's a bunch of states. So here's what you had on March 3rd. Colorado, 29, uh, for, uh, was not, again, not, it was Jerry Brown who won that. Georgia, Bill Clinton won with 57%. Uh, Tom Harkin won Idaho with 30%. Uh, Paul Sagas won Maryland with 43%. Minnesota went to Harkin, 26%. He didn't uh, even have that great a day no. on the third. Utah went to Sangus, 30, 34. Yep. Uh, Washington went to Sangus, 32%. Um, and that's it on the third. So he really only still only won one state March 3rd. Out of the first, what, 10 yeah. primaries? Bill Clinton had won one it's amazing. state. And then March 7th happened. There were amazing. three states. Amazing. Arizona uh, went to Sangus. And then Clinton won South Carolina and Wyoming. Uh, and then uh, March 8th, mm. again, Sangus won Nevada. I mean, this is a lot Jeez, of losses for Clinton. Man, it Jeez. is. I forgot. It wasn't until March 10th where he really started cleaning up. I guess, is March 10th Super Tuesday uh, that particular year? I think <clears> it, maybe was. it was. So Florida, he won. H- Hawaii, he won. Louisiana, he won. Mississippi, he won. Missouri, yeah. he won. Then he was Oklahoma, on Oklahoma, he won. The only state that went to Sangus was Massachusetts, which, of course, he won. It was his home state. But he, he lost the first five. He won number six. He won one of the first 10 or 12 primaries. Yeah. I mean, he was not on fire yeah. until March 10th. I mean, look at this. This is now, again, you, know, you say, okay, well, there you go. You might he have won. said Songus was the Trump of yeah. that race. Yeah. In fact. Yeah. Now, remember, he, here you, so you're way. saying, okay, so Clinton you know, got on fire March 7th, rolled to the nomination. Not so. Uh, March, uh, excuse me, March uh, 10th, which was Super Tuesday. March 17th, uh, he won two, Illinois and Michigan. March 19th, he won again in North Dakota. You're like, oh, he's on fire. He's going to roll through this. No. March 24th, Connecticut went to Sangus. March wow. uh, 31st, Vermont went to Sangus. March, uh, or April hmm. 2nd, Alaska went to some guy at the end here. Uncommitted. <laughs> Actually, Uncommitted won that one. But second place was uh, not Sangus, but Brown. So, I mean, still at that point, he's still losing these primaries. Yeah. It's not until April... Seventh, where he really just starts sweeping the field and, and barely 7th. loses anything. Holy cow. April 7th, man. That's amazing. I mean, now part of this is we now uh, have, uh, you know, these primaries start earlier. Yeah. Everyone's in them. Everyone knows the candidates much earlier. Uh, you know, there's, there's differences in the field from 1992, but it's still pretty amazing. Still, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you, you give up hope after Iowa sometimes. It's like we had yeah. guys drop out after Iowa. Well, you don't necessarily need to, but I'm glad they did. Um, and it would be nice if, uh, for instance, Ben Carson would drop out. Uh, that would be a great thing right now. So, but he uh, go once ahead again, do that. has no intention of doing that. Did he say that? Has he reinforced he that? Last night, yeah, he said he's not going anywhere. Kasich says... Not going anywhere. He says, I'm not 
dropping man, out. That's unbelievable. So, there's an interesting theory I have about Kasich, mm. uh, and um, it's only I only believe it about 20 percent. It's only that's that's how that's how concrete I am in this. Kasich though is an establishment guy, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think he still entertains the idea that somehow he would win in this race. But, but let, me, let me throw out the 20% theory here. He keeps saying he wants to stay in until Ohio, which is uh, an important state for one big reason, that it's winner-take-all, and it's the second biggest winner-take-all state except for Florida. So is it possible that he's thinking, if I stay in this thing and I'm competitive, state. at least I can stop Trump from getting that huge chunk of delegates, and maybe in his mind also Cruz. Um, and then I could drop out after that because Rubio's not going to beat, uh, is not going to beat um, Trump in, uh, in, in Ohio, most likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, Kasich is, I think, winning, but it's close. So if Kasich says, I'm the only person who can beat, uh, maybe he might be in second place even in, Iowa, in Ohio, but I'm the only person in Ohio who can beat Trump. I'll stay in it, try to win Ohio, and after that, realize that my campaign's over, and then maybe slide into a, a, a sweet cabinet position or a VP role or something like that mm-hmm. with Rubio. Um, but because, you know, Trump, if he can win Florida and Ohio, those two states are winner-take-all states. They're big states. And it's going to go a long yeah, way sure. from get, getting this nomination. And, and you know, you know Florida is a really good state for him. Now, Rubio is its a good state for Rubio, too, so there could be a competition there. Um, but, you know, the, a lot of retired New Yorkers live down in Florida. It's, it's a pretty good state for Donald Trump. So if he can win that in, in Ohio, he's pretty damn close to the nomination. So you need to have someone stop him in one of those two states, at least, and maybe that's what he's thinking. That'd be nice. I doubt it, but uh, that'd be nice. Mm. Well, it sure feels like I doubt it is the right way. Yeah, it does. Okay, yes. <laughs> yes that's why I said does. 20%, right? <laughs> I'll accept 20%. Okay, thank you. Thank I'll you. take it. Thank you, Pat. Uh, but anyway, Trump is posed for apparently his third Republican presidential nominating uh, contest uh, to win it. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, I've gotten a lot of uh, Facebook posts from, from people who were working on the Cruz campaign in Nevada. A guy emailed me yesterday who had just left. And he said his impression was, and he knocked on a lot of doors, he made a lot of phone calls. You know, and when you talk to hundreds and hundreds of people when you're there over a week or two, um, and you're talking to a a bunch of voters every day, like hundreds of people, you do, I think you get a pretty good idea. You get a cross-section of the state. And his impression was, it's pretty well split between Trump and Cruz, was his impression. He, he, and he said, he said, first of all, Trump's supporters in Nevada are much more pleasant than they were in New Hampshire. Um, and I believe that out west, it's probably, it's probably true. But um, he also said that the crew support is right there, and he could barely tell the difference between them. Now, I, I don't know. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I hate to get false hope out of that from one guy's experience, but because the polls aren't showing that. The polls were, the, the last poll I saw was, Trump 45, Rubio 19, Cruz 17, something like that. Yeah, that's exactly what I think. Jeez, holy cow. Well, look, this is the best state in the West for Donald Trump by yeah. a pretty wide margin. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, uh, union state, I guess, because of the, you no, know, c- yeah. casinos and corruption and the, uh, it's a casino. the mob ties. Yeah. And, you know, with, with Trump's mob ties, uh, it's probably a really good state. Well, you him. only say that because of the incredible amount of evidence that points <laughs> that's to that. That's the only and reason. That's the only that's reason. The only so reason we should, be, we should be clear that it's not just 
You, you're yeah. not just saying you're not saying it because you were there in right. the room. You're no, just saying that right. there's an incredible amount of evidence. Incredible amount. And of you know evidence. the way you know certainly things like I don't know. Uh, you know, he had lawyers that were closely tied to the mob, did dealings with mm -hmm. people who were closely tied to the mob, was able to influence government that was influenced by the right. mob. Uh, you know, did things like with his father where he would, um, you know, uh, take loans instead of taking a loan the way you're supposed to take a loan, would just have his dad come in and buy $3 million of chip, uh, $3 million, spend $3 million on $5,000 worth of chips. Why is, that <laughs> why is that wrong, by the way? Why is that wrong? Why is that why wrong, is it? by the why way? Why is it? You're right. I don't know. I'm asking. Why is it? It's just, I don't know. There's something called huh. um, yeah. racketeering. Oh, yeah. okay, and, okay. Um, that's one thing. Now, that's, is that a real thing? Uh, what, what am I looking for? Is that like it's tennis? Government the, regulation uh, is what it, racketeering is. It's against the, uh, uh, what it is, Jeffy, is it's uh, against the, uh, uh, the, uh, the law. Yeah. The law. That's the word I was the groping for. Fair. It's not fair. Yeah, it's not fair, and it's not right. But uh, I'm sorry, you're not supposed to be able to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, fraud, I mean, also. It's a, I mean, there's a lot of things going on there that are wrong. And it's hard to choose just one. Um, but it, it's amazing that Trump was in such dire straits, and nobody cares about this, apparently. Nope. Uh, among his supporters. That's just doing business. Yeah, just... He he's, a, he's a businessman. He knows how to do great business. Such dire straits his daddy had. To, he's doing such great business that he had to have his daddy come in and pay... Three million dollars for five thousand dollars worth of chips, which is interesting. To bail because him out. He, the only reason he had the business in the first place is because his daddy gave him money. Right, too. that's correct. It's interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> it's Ivan, interesting. do we have calls? <laughs> Ivan, Ivan, is there a number that someone can call? That people could call? Uh, yes, Alec. Uh, it's right there in front of you. <laughs> oh, oh, that's oh, interesting. That's interesting. It's interesting. You, you mean they dial these numbers in this sequence and so sorry. this phone will ring? I'm so sorry. So sorry. I'm so sorry. That's interesting. All right. Well, anyway, Cruz has introduced a new libertarian-themed uh, argument in Nevada, saying the federal government should relinquish ownership of land. Um, I don't know if that's new. Is that new for Ted? It's not new, although he's highlighting it more, mainly because, um, you know, the guy... It's Nevada. Well, it's Nevada, and uh, Donald uh, Trump disagrees with it. Right. And it's, uh, it's Nevada. Well, now, why would you say that in New Hampshire, where right. the federal government doesn't own any of the land? Right. You would say that in Nevada... Where they own 65 to 80 percent of the land. That's where it would make sense for you to introduce that argument. Right. And, uh, you know, it's another one of those things that Donald Trump, Mr. So conservative, so incredibly conservative, he's so conservatastic uh, that he, he is conservatastic. Yes, that he, of course, opposes it. Conservalicious, really. Uh, should, the land should not go back. To, no. To the states. You should not send back them to the, to the, to the states because he wants them. For himself. Um, um, by the way, I, was, I asked an honest question on Twitter uh, fairly recently uh, today, which was, uh, I'd like to know from a Trump supporter, and if you happen to be one, please feel free to tweet me. What would you say the date is of Donald Trump's conversion to hardline immigration enforcement? What would you say that date is? Oh, I, what would you say I don't even know that I was born when he, when he switched over. Well, we know in August of 2013, mm -hmm. he tweeted right. that amnesty should be done but only after they enforce the border. So right, amnesty, not even, not even like what Rubio, who, who is saying it's not amnesty, it's not amnesty. Uh -huh. He was actually saying it was amnesty. Right. His word, amnesty, should be done, but only after we enforce the border. So that's August of 2013. So what is the date? Was it, August, was it like September of 2013? That would be the earliest possible date. 
but did he really convert that much that quickly? What, what's the date of that? I would like you to write just, just in, on a piece of paper at home, if you have it, happen to be by it. I want you to just write down the date, whatever date you think it is. Mm-hmm. And then right under that, I want you to write the date that he launched his presidential campaign. <laughs> just put those dates right next to each other and look at them closely for a couple minutes. <laughs> and think of how heartfelt you believe this viewpoint is. Because what you're going to find is something like September 2014 and April 2015. Are the two dates you're going to see different years? They're different years. They're a few months apart. I will grant you, but somehow in that uh, small percentage of of his life, he went from the guy who you would criticize till your dying breath to the guy you believe is the best educated on the on your viewpoint on hardline. Somehow he was able to change that much that quickly it's unbelievable and i was actually i was highlighting some of uh, the matt walsh article i would urge you to go to the blaze.com so and read the matt walsh article uh it's amazing matt goes through it all but all the obvious just just one thing i say this i say this i hate you because I, all the supporters i hate you because you said this i don't hate that because donald said the same thing i don't yeah. hate that yeah, it's, it's amazing. A, it's a very, it's excellent. We're gonna go through some of it, I think, tonight on Good. the TV show. I'm filling in partially for Glenn. He's got a big, a big, a lot of it's uh, behind the scenes from his uh, trip to South Carolina, which is gonna be really cool. And I think he's gonna be on the show as sort of a, I guess, gonna be interviewing Glenn on the Glenn Beck program uh, today. Which so you can kind of get the inside picture from Nevada. But we're gonna also go through some of the Walsh article because it it's is. so good and it it's, is. it's so frustrating. I, I think to anyone who cares about these issues, uh, to see this. I, and, and he made a point that I've made on this program uh, many times, although he makes it far more eloquently, which is you just it's so frustrating to see this idea of anger used as an excuse for people's behavior. Yep. It's the exact reverse of what we do in every other element of society. When someone's angry and does something bad, you, you are criticized for that. You're criticized for the anger that leads to a bad decision. Here, it's okay, well, you know what, yeah, we're going to elect a progressive who doesn't know anything about the issues and is going to burn the Constitution uh, until you can't even recognize that it was ever a piece of paper. But we're angry. But we're angry. So excuse our behavior. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had so many people try to come in here, Pat, and, and you know this over, over the past year. You guys, I'm sorry. There's, you're, you're just missing it. You know, uh, uh, Donald Trump, I mean, people. Yeah, tapping into the yeah, anger. Yeah, he's tapping the into the anger. You need, to, you need to acknowledge he's that. And, and you need to say he's how angry. wonderful it is angry. that these people are angry. They're and, angry, and, and he's angry. Yeah. And, and even if you don't agree with him, you need to be nice to him because people are angry. They're and, angry. And, and, and they've been tapping into the anger. He's tapping into something. Some anger. Look, you've got to admit he's tapping angriness. into Shut up. No. <laughs> I'm not going to forgive people for irrationally acting because they're acting out of anger. I would never allow that from a Democrat. I would never allow that from some uh, idiotic 18-year-old who was in college and and was, oh, I'm angry at the Wall Street, and I, that's why I'm I'm raping people in tents outside in Occupy Wall Street. Oh, okay, you were angry? Oh, they were angry, guys. They were angry. Let's let's, let's coddle them because they were angry. I would never accept that from the other side. No, no. And I'm certainly not going to accept it from people who are supposed to care about the Constitution. And as Glenn has been saying, you make the worst decisions when you're angry. Why would you make that decision based on anger? It's stupid. It's a terrible way to make a decision. And terrible decisions are made when you act that way. And that's yeah. what people are doing. They're going to do it probably again today in Nevada. Make a terrible decision based on anger and uh, what, quite honestly, boils down to stupidity. Surprise us, Nevada, please. Yeah, just Surprise us. That'd be great. Shock us by 
by supporting Ted Cruz uh, for the nomination in your fair state. Triple eight seven two seven back eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. Keep in mind too the uh, Donald Trump that you're thinking about voting for. Uh, has helped uh, your man Harry Reid stay in office all these years. By yeah, you should be happy about fat amounts. Of in money fact, to him. gave him uh, money in the uh, in the election that he won by like two thousand votes. Yeah, uh, just so, recently in yeah, twenty twelve. I guess Sharon, Sharon Angle. Yeah, would yeah. have been a Tea Party candidate. So uh, even though it was not you know, Sharon Angle was not my favorite Tea Party candidate, it would have been a Tea Party candidate as opposed mm -hmm. uh, to uh, Harry Reid. The and, worst and person. And in that election, today. Donald Trump was giving money to make sure just that one extra ad that may have yeah. just swayed a couple thousand people could have aired. Wonderful, isn't that uh, wonderful? Great. Max. Donation, that's your way. boy. That's, that's your a, boy, Donald Trump, that you're it. thinking about voting for in Nevada. Yeah. Good but you. again, that was way back in 2010. Yeah, oh my gosh. Don't even worry about it. That was it. just the cost of doing business. Don't even worry about just it. Just the cost right. of doing business. That's right. Sorry. I'm you know, it's true. It's much more excusable. Was it 10 or 12? What's that? I guess it was 10, right? I thought it was 10, but I Maybe it was. I don't know. All I can say is it's much so. more excusable He'd be when up you for re-election this year, is he? Yeah, but he's leaving. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's um, right. It's much more excusable, though, Donald Trump's behavior, because he did it for the honorable cause of his own personal financial yep. gain. That's when you. That's when it's okay. Mm -hmm. Because he's mm -hmm. doing it for himself and not then caring about the country great. or you that's people in Nevada. That's great. That makes it fine. Oh, that that's makes it okay. It's, it's the cost of doing business, as you that's said. It's the cost of doing business. Uh, and then his, his, his bankruptcies weren't a personal bankruptcy. Right. They were no. separate business bankruptcies. And so he I mean, would never bankrupt the country. Don't worry right. about that. That was just business, yeah. and it was a separate thing. I was just following the rules that were there. And, he and would never out. use that excuse if he bankrupted the country. No. No, 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 of course no, not. No, no, no. And let's just point out quickly that we should understand, when you say the cost of doing business in Nevada, the cost of doing business just happened to be your freedom that time. Uh, your freedom, <laughs> your uh, country. Uh, it was That's the cost it. of him doing business. I hope you're okay <laughs> with that. I hope you're okay with the cost of doing business being the fact that you could have had an actual senator who occasionally entertained the Constitution rather than Harry Reid, uh, who's been punishing the country for six years since he got elected with Donald Trump's money. Um, but you know what? It, that's the cost of doing business. Donald made money off of that. Somewhere, Harry Reid did him a favor that you don't know about yet. You will know about it once he's the general election candidate, though. Oh, all of those favors are going to come out. And I mm -hmm. promise you, you're going to hear about all of them when he's down by 27 points in the general election. But you know what? Cost of doing business. He got what he wanted. So you should feel good about it. <laughs> That's good stuff. Triple eight seven two seven back. There's more patents too uh, momentarily. Yeah, but uh, first, let's. Uh, other than Donald Trump, what is the biggest threat to your independence? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I'm could say be... not being prepared. Yeah, maybe even not being prepared for a major disaster, uh, man-made, Trump-made, national, mm -hmm. uh, natural, personal, all over the board, right? Any kind yes. of natural, any kind of big thing that you're not prepared for. Uh, when when something like that hits, you're you're screwed. Yeah, because you're not able to rely on yourself. You got to rely on somebody else, and sometimes maybe they're not reliable. So during an emergency, you want to be in control of your situation, of you know, getting food for yourself and your family. Yeah, so uh, my Patriot Supply will help you do that. Yeah, they're putting something together for you here. They got your back if you're not prepared right now. You uh, yourself uh, are able to get a two-week emergency food supply for only fifty bucks. Fifty Holy bucks, cow. two weeks of food for fifty bucks. Now, what does that mean? That means seventy servings of food, which lasts up to twenty-five years, and that includes delicious soups, really good entrees, and even desserts. So, when you call, ask how to get free shipping with your order too. You can get this special by calling triple eight eight nine three ninety one forty right now. 
or online at preparewiththeblaze.com. Yeah, amazing. Uh, you're talking about 70 cents, roughly, per serving? Right. A meal for 70 cents. That's great. Okay. Limit two per caller. The food's good, too. A two-week of supply of food for only $50. Give them a call, 888-893-9140, 888-893-9140, or online at preparewiththeblaze.com. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Triple eight seven two seven back. It's Pat and Stu. Uh, welcome. Apparently, Kasich uh, drew some scorn yesterday. He said something pretty stupid, uh, and I mean, he says stupid things all the time. But this was exceptional, I think, even for him. And here's what he had to say: I went to Washington, following my mother's advice. I'd been in the legislature before that at the age of twenty-six. And She's how did I get elected? How nobody was. I didn't have anybody for me. We just mm-hmm. got an army of people who, um, and, and many women who left their kitchens to go out and go door to door and to put, put yard signs up for me all the way back awesome. when, you know, things were different. Uh, uh, and he, and things were different. Awesome. They were. They left their, all these women, they left their kitchens. And cute little, I mean, some of them uh, even put some shoes on um, and, and waddled around their neighborhoods in their pregnancies. <laughs> Uh, to campaign for me. It was awesome of them. And uh, it's cute. I don't think it's a little bit. It's really it's not bad. bad. Although it's I will bad. say uh, some, b- an audience it's member even called him out. Did you see yeah. that? Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, an audience member. We don't, I don't think we have that here. But uh, I do support you, but I'm not leaving my kitchen to do it. <laughs> He's like, fair enough, fair enough, or something like yeah. that. Well, it's right? not 1812 when he first ran either. Yeah, no, I, I mean, he did say that it was a different time. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, look, obviously. <laughs> of course, on. it's like women are allowed to be in kitchens. It's, are they? they are not allowed to be yes, in them. Yes, you just are. can't talk about it. You can't, yeah, you can't say that. Can't like, say that's it. their only job. This is a, the good thing, right? that I think, to highlight here is this idea. Yeah. There are some people in, in uh, the Republican primary who are thinking to themselves, well, look, John Kasich is a moderate. He'd be electable. No, he wouldn't. He got, he'd get on there, and they would destroy <laughs> yeah. his life oh over gosh. a clip like that oh, yeah. if he got to the general election. Right. Um, you know, he, they're all nice to him now, and all the newspapers are endorsing him now because he's the one person saying liberal things outside of Donald Trump. Um, he's the one person who's running essentially as a moderate, even though his record is more conservative than he's running. He's, one, he's actually running left of where his record is. And his record's not conservative, but it's not as liberal as he's making it out to be. Um, and so once he gets into the general election, if he ever were to, he would get destroyed immediately. I mean, he would be 
destroyed by the media. And he's also a terrible candidate. Oh, my you know? gosh, yes. That's why, of course, the, another reason why newspapers are endorsing mm. him. Because they're saying, well, here's a guy we could destroy and easily win against in the general election. Definitely. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a, it's a little embarrassing. Uh, women left their kitchens, and I, I was inclined not to allow them to. Uh, but since they went door to door for me and they were, uh, they were okay with, you know, they called their husbands first to get permission to leave the home. So I said, well, okay, maybe just this once you can leave your kitchen. And, uh, what was sweet, it was easy for them to carry the flyers in the front of their aprons and, uh, they just went door to door. <laughs> That's great. Triple eight seven two seven back eight 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 seven two seven 727 beck uh, meanwhile, uh, Trump has been threatening wealthy, uh, the wealthy Ricketts family for secretly spending money against him. They better be careful, he said. Uh, he turned to Twitter uh, yesterday to denounce the Ricketts, politically active family. They own the Cubs, Chicago Cubs, for funding a super PAC that opposes his campaign. Trump's anger is likely targeted at the family's matriarch, uh, Marlene Rickett, who apparently gave $3 million dollars to our principal's pack in January. I don't know who's, whose super pack is that? I don't know. Do we know? We'll see. I'll, I'll find it out here. Actually, it doesn't say here in this, in this uh, story that I have. Um, but the pack is anti-Trump, and they've spent millions of dollars on ads and mailings in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, to oppose Trump's presidential bid. According to Forbes, the Rickett family is worth about $4.5 billion. Majority of their wealth comes from the ownership of uh, TD Ameritrade. It's pretty big. Family's patriarch uh, Joe Rickett founded. They bought a uh, 95% majority stake in the Cubs in 2009. And now Trump is uh, very, very pissed at them because he's, they're not playing along. And you, know, you can't do that. Seems that our principal's pack is being re uh, reported as it's just an anti-Trump. Really? Yeah, it's an I mean, anti-Trump super pack. It just simply it? started to oppose I, him, huh? I just went to their website and their mission Anyone statement but says, Trump. It says, uh, starts out with, as Thomas Jefferson said, and then, uh, what do you say? That's it. Um, oh, wow, uh, in matters of style, <laughs> Thomas Jefferson, he didn't say anything. Didn't as say Thomas it. Jefferson said, and then that's all. That's, that's, all, just, that's uh, all there is. And then there's a in matters button. of style, swim with the current. In matters of principle, stand like a rock. With our nation's progress stalled by politicians who refuse to lead, Americans are rightly frustrated. Our principles pack was formed to educate and engage American voters about the men and women who seek our vote and about challenging issues they will confront should they get elected. Well, like all of the rest of us who are opposing Trump, they're not doing a very good job. <laughs> right. I feel like they might have been the, the source of one of those pretty good um, ads, the, uh, that two-minute ad that showed all of his old liberal positions. That might oh. be that. Oh. I'm, to, I'm, right. I'm loading the page now. I'm having hmm. Internet trouble all day today. Okay. Um, but uh, I think that's them. Uh, yes, that is them. Oh, Remember, we, we ran those ads, and they were yeah. good. Yeah. Um, you know, the ones where they showed how liberal he was. I mean, that was the one, one of them I tweeted. It was like this. If you care about conservatism at all, if you care about anything other than just being a liberal, you would never vote for this guy. Right. You know, he's the worst. But yeah, that's them. Triple eight seven two seven back. More patents do coming up. Mm -hmm. Coming. Shortly. It's inevitable. Good okay. Oh, we have a spot? Oh, okay. Yeah, you have a spot. You're supposed to say some words now. Oh, I mean, I'm more than happy to do that, but right. I just I didn't realize. Okay. Do you know what it's about? I do know what it's about. You know how I know it? Dana Lash. Uh, because I know. I, as you might be able to tell, I'm not exactly an athlete. Uh, you know, it's a what? big shocker. Yeah, no. 
It's weird. Huh. Uh, but, you know, um, hmm. you might be surprised to know that I actually do have something uh, in common with world-class athletes. Uh, I use the same product they do, Super Beats. Now, Dana Lash has been talking to you about Super, Super Beats for a while. Uh, and it's a great product. It's really, beets are one of those things that you're supposed to eat, I guess. You're supposed to, like, get all the nutrition that's in them. They're very rich in dietary nitrates, which, you know, a person who looks like me, you might think doesn't even know what they are, but I do. It helps boost circulation, which helps give you more energy, which I need. Super Beets is the easiest way to get these natural dietary nitrates into your system. Just one shot of Super Beets is equal to two liters of beet juice. Two freaking liters. And, you know, the best part is you don't have to drink two liters of beet juice. The taste is not, it's not beets. It's actually a black, the one I had was black cherry flavor, and it's freaking delicious. Uh, and uh, it, you can actually feel the energy it gives you. Uh, if you, uh, like, I don't know, occasionally I like to walk at least past the gym. And it gives you uh, the energy to do so. Experience the same motivation by calling 800-951-8896. Or go to stewlovesbeats.com, 800-951-8896, and stewlovesbeats.com. Give it a try. It tastes great, and it'll make a real difference. 800-951-8896 or stewlovesbeats.com. Triple eight seven two seven Beck Pat and Stu. Uh, I love this story too. Uh, John Huntsman considering uh, jumping in on behalf of a candidate. I know. Sean uh, Huntsman Jr. Oh, okay. Yeah, should specify. Because um, he's a big. He was a moderate. Oh uh, my! Was he ever a moderate? Very John Kasich esque when mm -hmm. he ran, except maybe even to the left of that. Perhaps. Um, you know. So he was. You're going to see a guy who once. You know, he was all about. Um, uh, kindness in politics. He, he was really mm. ran on the idea that our, we're too divided. Um, <laughs> That's and, right. And he wanted to make sure That's that right. everyone so knew that. So naturally, you go with the guy who's the meanest, nastiest douchebag in this whole race, and that's Donald Trump. The grand nozzle of the douche yeah, hall of fame. Yeah, the grand nozzle of the douche hall of fame. Yeah, that's who you go with, and that's who he's considering going with. Amazing. Douche hall of fame. I mean, how, uh, uh, that how bad is that? absolutely no sense. It's so bad. Although it does make sense in the idea that here's a guy who served in the Obama administration endorsing Donald Trump. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, it does. Um, yes, so maybe, does. Uh, you know... I, we, we were taking his campaign a little too seriously. Can we talk income inequality for a moment? I would love to. I love income inequality. You have talked um, about it. Yes. Inequality. This is actually, uh, we come back to yesterday's program, if you happen mm -hmm. to be watching the Patents 2 program yesterday, we talked about uh, the, uh, what's his face, the guy, um, old guy, 90 Reich. years old. Robert Reich? No, oh, no, no, Dick no, no, no. Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. So Dick, Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, so he's supporting Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. And in there, he used a clip of, like, well, people looked at both of the graphs and they said that they'd rather have Sweden right. than us. No, yeah. Uh, so and stupid. that comes from a very widely spread Facebook claim that we just mm -hmm. happened to uh, dismantle on Wonderful World of Stew. So we thought okay. we'd show that to you today. Watch. For some reason, Glenn Beck is letting me keep the show for a second season. And so far, we've got antisocial on 35 freaking topics. But by far, the number one thing you have sent in is a video entitled Wealth Inequality in America. And perhaps we didn't act quickly enough because everyone from Bill de Blasio to the entire Democratic Party is pitching income inequality. Watch this. Income inequality. 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 Mm-hmm. It's a big problem. The problem with this video is that it's over six minutes long, and it demands about 12 monologues to dissect. 
But before we even begin, let's take some of the low-hanging fruit on here. First, let me show you this. This is what, if income was evenly distributed across all of society. This is a graphic from the video. And, of course, they call it socialism. And they actually refer to it as the dreaded socialism. Notice the location of the quotation marks around the word dreaded. In other words, the dreaded socialism, as if it's someone else saying it's dreaded, not us. Other people are saying that. And just listen to their mocking treatment of the American dream in this clip. Pure socialism, all the wealth of the country distributed equally. We all know that won't work. We need to encourage people to work and work hard to achieve that good old American dream and keep our country moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Does that sound like someone who actually thinks the American dream is real and attainable? Conservatives are going to detect this. They're going to agree with me and say no, probably. But if you still have your doubts and you think this is an independent, non-biased video, let's look at the sources for the video. This is from... At the very, 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 very end in small print. Oh, Mother Jones is on there. That's fantastic. Mother Jones for a source. It's the same Mother Jones who wrote, Does Ted Cruz believe his critics will be condemned by God? Or another classic, Is there satanic symbolism in the GOP's logo? Ah! Or, The science of the Tea Party rap. And then there's Think Progress. They're really middle of the road. Six reasons why Obamacare enrollment is going better than you think. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, Glenn Beck profits off hate, doubles revenue since leaving Fox News. Or Earth's rate of global warming is 400,000 Hiroshima bombs a day. You get the point. These are not exactly conservatives or even middle of the road journalists or even people who are even rationally considered sane. But let's dive into it anyway. The video used five groups of people broken up by their wealth. So you kind of get the point here. You got the bottom 20% here. You got the richest 20% over there. And here are the people in the middle, from poorest all the way up to richest. They asked these people about their perception of wealth inequality in America. This is how people want the wealth to be divided up. If you see here, you know, the rich people have a little bit more than the poorer people for sure, and a little bit more uh, than the middle class, but not too much money. This is how people think it's currently divided up in America. They think it's less equal, according to this video. You see, uh, all the, the richest people have even more of the wealth, and the poorest people have just this little chunk over here. But, and here comes the big reveal. This is what it actually is. Dun, dun, dun. Rich people have all the wealth way up there, and you can barely even see the little tiny poor people. Look at how skinny they are over there in the corner. This is essentially the only point they make in a six-minute video, but it's a pretty effective chart until you actually realize what they're doing. The first way the video misleads people on income inequality is that it's not about income inequality. It's weird. Look at the title. Wealth inequality in America. Now, why would you change income inequality to wealth inequality? Think about it for a second. Say you're a 22-year-old right out of college. You planning for retirement at that point? No, your priority is not about collecting wealth at that point. The poorest among us aren't going to have a lot of money to put in Microsoft stock. Wealth is what happens when you have more than enough money to get by. But we know by definition, the poorest don't have more than enough money to get by or they wouldn't be the poorest. It just makes your charts look better, so you change it from income to wealth. Now let's get a little bit more specific. What's the charge here? Listen. Most Americans know that the system is already skewed unfairly. Mm, there we go. The system is shockingly skewed unfairly against you. The design of this video is to make it feel like it's hopeless in America. 
If you're at the bottom, you can't possibly climb out. But this isn't true. About 60% of the poorest, the people down here, are going to leave that group in less than a decade. Remember, the message of this video is that you're always going to be poor. But did you know in America, by the time you're 60, there's an 80% chance that you lived in a household that earns over $100,000 a year at least once? So you, you rise, rose all the way up to the top of the income chart. And, you know, you might not stay there forever, but you were there. That's the opportunity. And there's even a 20% chance that you lived in a household earning over a quarter million dollars a year. That's the opportunity in America, and it's not an opportunity anywhere else in the world. But let's say you're not convinced yet. You say, Stu, the middle class is disappearing. I know that's true. I got to admit it, you're, you're right on that one, actually. It kind of is disappearing. The question, though, is really more importantly, where are they going? Let's look at this inflation-adjusted chart of income. Now, first of all, you see the middle income between 25 and 75 grand has dropped. They are disappearing. I can't deny it. They've dropped from 55.8% in the 1970s all the way down to 43.3% today. They are disappearing. The question, though, is where are they going? Certainly, this video would have you believe they're all becoming poor, right? Well, let's look at the lower income chart. Again, starts in 1970, about 29.8% earned less, earned less than 25000 a year. That's dropped from 29.8 to 25.1. So where are all these people? They're in the upper class now. They've left these and they've gone to the upper class. 14.4% of our population earned over 75 grand a year in 1970. That number is now 31.6%. I mean, take those other two charts away and just think, focus for a second on the upper income. From 144 to 31.6%. This is a sign of a healthy economy, a healthy society. This is also the time that they are complaining about the worst of income inequality. And this goes to a larger point. Income inequality doesn't affect you. Income inequality doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much money Bill Gates is making. It matters how much our society is bringing the bottom up, and it's bringing the bottom up quickly. It's amazing because, you know, you have a society here where the left had their way and, you know, everyone was a millionaire, but there were still a bunch of people who were quadrillionaires at the top. They'd still be bitching about income inequality, even though everybody was millionaires. That's the way they think. The shockingly skewed system is shockingly skewed, that's for sure, but it's shockingly skewed towards success over a long period of time. But this isn't going to please the makers of this video. No, no, no. They have a very specific de desire to have the government redistribute wealth. Let's just say we give them what they want. Let's come up with some crazy policy together where we send a check for like $20,000 to every person in the bottom 40%. We destroy income inequality once and for all. Yay! There's only one problem with that. We're already doing it. The bottom 40% already gets an average of $18,950 in government transfers. So how can the left possibly have these charts and say that they're true. Well, the charts don't include government transfers. Think of how disingenuous this is. If the government just came up and gave someone in poverty a million dollars, they would still show up as being in poverty. Therefore, the solution that they suggest will never solve the problem. No matter how much we listen to their solutions, their scary charts will never change. It's essentially a blank check to grow the government and redistribute wealth. We can go through charts all day. We really could. But we've had income inequality forever. It just used to be called something else. It was called keeping up with the Joneses.
when people envied those who had more than them, that used to be a negative thing. Now it's the topic of nearly every speech from our president. The problem here is that no one in Washington is willing to be honest about this. You know, it's, it's easy to win votes by blaming the evil rich person. But what we really need is somebody who's going to be a little bit more honest to stop, you know, going to the Oval Office and sit down and, and do something a little bit different. Maybe focus on the things that really will affect your life and how you live it. Instead of offering you these fake solutions, go with something real. My fellow Americans, do you want a hot body? You want a Bugatti? You want a Maserati? You better work, bitch. You want a Lamborghini? Sip martinis? Look hot in a bikini? You better work, bitch. <laughs> Those aren't my words. And they're certainly not from the freaking president of the United States who would never say such a thing. Those words are from Britney Spears. Britney Spears understands the American dream better than the president of the United States. And while that might sound crazy, remember that Britney Spears is the head of a multi-million dollar operation. The president is a community organizer. So, to review. The middle class is disappearing, and they're leaving to get into the upper class. Income inequality is just a remix of keeping up with the Joneses. And remember, if you want to live fancy, live in a big mansion, party in France, you better work, bitch. Now get to work, bitch. What do Jeff Fisher and Adolf Hitler have in common? Well, we don't have that much time. Uh, there's uh, basically two or three shows we could do on that one. Mm -hmm. um, however, this one pops in today. Uh, historians claim uh, Nazi leader uh, Adolf Hitler suffered from a rare deformity where... Oh, boy. No, I don't want to. Oh, no. That one hurts, too. <laughs> I don't want to go into that one hurts. full details, but basically they're saying that he has a, um, uh, what they call a micro-penis. Correct. <laughs> And I want to say that Adolf and I may have a number of things in common. Mm -hmm. Not that. <laughs> um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, this is a new book. It's called Hitler's Last Day, Minute by Minute. Historians Jonathan Mayo and Emma uh, Kragy uh, claim that he also suffered from a, another deformity, um, that mm -hmm. uh, he had only one... Correct. Uh, giblet. Testicle. Giblet, mm -hmm. uh, as Pat mm -hmm. would say. Mm -hmm. And there's a, apparently a song that came out um, a long time ago, and people didn't know what the uh, what it referenced, but it, it, it was called, well, it had Hitler's only got one <laughs> giblet. Um, Gehring has two, but very small. Yeah. Hitler in, uh, is somewhat, Himmler is somewhat similar, but poor Goebbels has no giblets at all. <laughs> uh, all of them rhyme with the word all. Uh, so they don't really use uh, That's interesting. Um, that's interesting. That's interesting. Right, Ivan? That's, it is, that's Ivan. interesting. So was that sung in Germany or was that here? Uh, I think in Germany. Because um, I would think you could die for that, right? If, if you were caught 
singing that, that would yeah. probably. It was before not be he was in power, though. Received it was well. like an old school song from the twenties. So was people it? think like you know this is when he was sort of a joke around uh, mm -hmm. around town, um, and tried to take over the government <clears throat> and failed. Um, so they used kind of a joke, and people were like, ah, and they. But of course, I don't think there's any scientific proof that uh, Goebbels had none. Uh, so I, I don't know that it was actually a science song, but it was uh, the, one of the ways they criticized it. One of the good things about the song is it had a whistle chorus. So you can have, I was just thinking of where they, uh, poor old Goebbels had no at all right. whistle chorus. Right, there you go. I love that. Whistle chorus. Mm. Whistle chorus. So it's sung to the Colonel Boogie March, which I, I'm not familiar with, the old wartime what? song. Uh, so the Colonel only Boogie one March? Of all. had two, but very small. Himmler, somewhat similar, but poor old <laughs> Goebbels has no balls at all. That's pretty. That's a nice song. Yeah, I, it's That's funny. Nice. The, the article doesn't seem to present any of the evidence as to why it's proven, mm -hmm. but it just says they've proved it. Right. Uh, so I guess that's what we're supposed to take from it until Did the book they, comes out. I mean, they've never found his body, right? Right. Well, was, uh, they, found, they found remains. Even if you had found his body, the remains wouldn't include... Right. No, they're saying that they so, found old medical records. Old medical records. Old medical records. But they don't say okay. what's in them that proves that necessarily. Huh. Uh, interesting. We'll see. That's interesting, Ivan. Uh, Do you have a phone, phone number? Is there a phone, there a phone number? number? I have to Jeffy about 44 times a week. But yeah. Uh, I think that's a first for us on the show. Uh, triple eight seven two seven. What are you, stupid? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Why don't you turn your mic on? Well, at least we didn't start did. talking and continue yeah, a sentence right. for like 10 right. minutes. Uh, 18, <laughs> two spoons. Oh, is my mic on? And then we're like, Jeffy, And then somebody, we on. eventually have to finally tell you, <laughs> Jeffy, for the love of heaven, turn on your mic. Uh, ah. <laughs> All right, triple eight seven two seven back. Uh, Bill Nye apparently has a problem with uh, uh, you know NASCAR. Uh, he's got a bone to pick, and uh, I'm sure it's just sheer genius. Uh, let's find out what the deal. If is. Only NASCAR were more like NASA. Yeah. Bill Nye explains it all. So you know, I have bones to pick with NASCAR. They're low tech on purpose. Yes, they now there's some fuel injection and stuff. But they're so low performance in terms of gas mileage. Oh, they, oh my God. It's very frustrating. And so I would love to have the rules of NASCAR cha to change would so that you? they rewarded efficiency. Would you love now, that? In motorcycle racing, they do that now. There's a fuel mm -hmm. restriction. Well, if you'd love that. What if that, they had a fuel you? restriction on NASCAR? And what if, what if? somebody really got into it? Uh -huh. And we're allowed to operate an electric car. Oh on a my gosh! Circuit. Yes, yes. To right. have it so the batteries could be changed in pit stop fashion, mm -hmm. and the, an electric car then would win the race handily, win any NASCAR race. They'd have to be dropped out of the car, put uh -huh. in, plug in, be reliable, and roll. Well, what if NASCAR decided to embrace that? 
What if NASCAR decided to reward wake up like 30 seconds before he did this? electric cars. So uh, what I would like is for NASCAR to celebrate the future rather than the past. What I would like is for you to shut your stupid mouth, but it's not happening. Or at least not see, uh, hear about it on our show. Jeez, right. Uh, I mean, that uh, is unreal. He is in the douche hall of fame. I'm forward to highlight his membership. What a dumbass. Yeah. First of all, electric cars can't even go 500 miles on a charge. So, yeah, you'd have to drop out the battery, and it takes, is it an hour and a half to replace the thing? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you'd have to have a way to do it. That's what he's saying. Well, that's what he's saying. They have to come up with a whole stupid. new thing. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Stupid. Yeah, look, I, I, they, thanks you know for what? your input. I, I uh, don't necessarily have a problem with, no. with them being included. But, I mean, I don't care. It, it does nothing for the environment. There's no reason for it. Right. I mean, but I mean, you know, if you, the, like I mean, NASCAR is is all the difference in the world between yeah, it's no difference a, an environment we can survive in and one not. Right. The, just the flights Bill Mar or Bill uh, Nye takes every year uh, mm -hmm. are worse than you know what the entire NASCAR, NASCAR season uh, at the Daytona 500. Stupid. Um, I I, uh, I will say this, and we've said this before, that you can get electric cars to go really freaking fast. Um, well, we've test-driven the Tesla. The Tesla in awesome. ridiculous mode and or whatever. they've made it more ridiculous since yeah. we test-drove it. Because it was insane mode when we did it, right? Yeah. It's ludicrous yeah. mode now. <laughs> yeah. Um, nice. Uh, ludicrous. Now it goes like 0 to 300 in half a second or something. It's, it, it's it feels amazing. like it. I'll tell you, it feels that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you pound on that gas, and it, it is... It's, I mean, you know, I have a car that goes pretty fast, and it, it blows that car away. Like, it, yeah. it, I mean, it is noticeably faster. So, you you know, and it's because it's electricity. You can, it is, a, it's a different process. It's like, uh, and it, it, you can really go faster than uh, at least anything I've ever seen. That being said, however, um, so what? Like, what, the, the, the idea of NASCAR is not to try uh, to necessarily create uh, a vehicle that can go as fast as possible under any circumstances. It's it's the idea to go as fast as possible within their rules. They take they put governors on their cars, right? I mean, you know, it's like this is not mm -hmm. uh, this is not. Uh, I mean, if they wanted to go faster, they'd take the governors off the cars. But I know they, they had the governor of West Virginia on their car last week, and it was I thought that's not safe. That's where Jim that's Gilmore was found yeah. during the campaign. He was, right. like, he was uh, sitting <laughs> on, on a NASCAR hood. He was on a NASCAR hood. Yeah, and that's just, just not that's safe. Not even funny. You know. That's oh, not even whoa, whoa, funny. I'm sorry, man. I didn't. I'm sorry. I, I was just making a little joke. It's not. A Listen, comedy is always somebody else's pain. This yeah, time, it's, it's mine. It's not even funny. Wow. Well, it's America's, really. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Stu. It's, it's, Thank it's, you it's for realizing it. For, for mm -hmm. not going, Jim Gilchrist, Morlinson. Uh, we're sorry, Jeffy. Have you talked to Jim since he dropped out? I left a couple messages, Jim. Busy. <laughs> What, what's he busy? Well, he's, what? He's he, probably in mourning as well. I really think he should be you know. tweeting you. I'm actually pissed off he's not tweeting you <laughs> after all the support <laughs> you've given him. No one else supported Jim Gilmore except Jim. Right? I know. I know. How many nominations did and the guy as soon as, I mean, as soon as I endorse endorsements. him? Endorsements. How many endorsements I mean, did the guy get? Almost immediately since I endorsed him. I mean, I should feel bad, really. <laughs> I do feel like he did this intentionally to hurt you. Right? You know, why? You, you were the only person willing I, to stand I was, up. I was serious for Jim Gilmore. I, I know. You were going to campaign Except for him? Except for not. I was. Except not. I mean... More serious it, than anybody else. How about that? <laughs> yes. Except I mean, not I was going to campaign for him. Right. In the state that he checked out of. Sure. Yeah. Except for not. No, you were. You were going to tweet. I said I was going to campaign for him in South Carolina from Texas. Yes, I you said did say that. that. You did say that. And you didn't have the opportunity because he dropped out before, Correct. He, before you could have the, have the chance. 
Correct. Thank mm-hmm. you, Stu. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's wrong what he did to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. At least somebody uh, noticed. I did. We, all, we all did notice. We all did. So if you could just stop making the jokes about NASCAR. Yeah. And yeah, that, was, that was Stu. Stu's the one who did that. I I, yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the EPA... And their new mission now is to protect human health and, and the environment. But nearly 100 of its employees, their own employees, based in the Bay Area, believe they're getting sick just by going to work. Apparently, it's a sick building. The building is sick, and it's making them sick. I don't know. Employees say the indoor air quality is so bad at the EPA Region 9 headquarters, they're unable to do their jobs. Testing conducted by Berkeley Analytical, an environmental testing lab, hired by the EPA, showed elevated levels of two potentially dangerous chemicals, formaldehyde and uh, caprolactam. I hate it when you get too much caprolactam in the, in the air, man. Yeah. I start sneezing, my eyes water, the caprolactam situation. Caprolactum. You don't want that. No. And I'm sure you don't. But the two chemicals tested above California state standards. EPA does not believe it's out of compliance with the state because the levels were not sustained over eight hours. Can you imagine the EPA arguing that, well, yeah, they're high, but they're not high over a sustained eight hours. This is the agency that is hampering all these right. businesses because of some dumbass little uh, uh, technical problem. I can't put in a water fountain. Right. Because it's a river. Right. And yeah. you're going to tell, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't long enough. And in their it's own fine. building, the air has been proven to be bad, they're and they're fine. fighting it. Ah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Our management is on a learning curve. Their initial response was to push back very hard, according to one of the employees. EPA employees first started complaining about health problems at work in December 2014 when the first phase of the building renovation was completed. Employees say they believe 75 Hawthorne is a sick building. EPA uh, does, in fact, have a sick building fact sheet. Symptoms include headaches, irritation, dizziness, and nausea, which are the same symptoms employers reported to their union reps. In a survey, I love it. <laughs> I, I love it when when they're getting bitten by their own dumbass nonsense. There's nothing better than that, is it? I love it when e- liberals eat their own. It is a it's it's just joyful to me. Does that make me a bad person? Um, yeah, it, yeah, well, it probably I mean, does, <laughs> right? But not necessarily this. But yes, you are a bad person. Okay, appreciate. That. There's a lot of other things. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so it's not just this. There's many. No, things I mean, that go into making me a bad person? Uh, yeah, like uh, when you okay. poisoned all those kindergartners with... Uh, I, uh, I didn't poison any kindergartners. Oh, that was Jeffy. That's right. You're right. Uh, right. That was Jeffy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was Jeffy. Sorry, Jeffy. It wasn't my fault. I again, once I again, sorry. That. <laughs> 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 uh, Bill Gates uh, is saying we need a miracle uh, to uh, tackle climate change. Uh, an energy miracle. Uh, do we? Mm-hmm. Uh, Microsoft co-founder and his wife, Melinda, mm-hmm. laid out their vision for the future today in an uh, annual uh, p- letter published by their organization. Unlike previous letters, the year's version uh, was geared towards teenagers because who wants, what better uh, than to read uh, a note from an old guy who created Microsoft Word? <laughs> um, well, actually, he didn't really create Microsoft Word. Well, no, he, he, stole, he stole it. it. He stole it. <laughs> but he did. Sorry, you're right. 
He did apply it. Mm -hmm. You know, right. he made money from it. Well, he, he did force to do all computers it. to have it. Yes, uh, and then was it's important of crime. You steal something to know what to do with it after you stole it. Actually, right. I think Word. I think they did come up with Microsoft <laughs> <Okay>. Word. Uh, <laughs> it was the original MS DOS that I believe they borrowed. Borrowed uh, <laughs> <a, laughs> Xerox. That's fruit from the poisonous tree, though. Right, back. it is. And there was a lot of fruit. Doesn't matter from yeah, that poisonous tree. Lying. So Gates said we need to uh, stop global warming with new energy miracles. Thank you. Uh, Thank you Bill. Which is finally, at least they're admitting that they don't have the technology. Technology. Right. Not like, oh, we need a miracle. Uh, finally, they've all found God, which is interesting. Um, and when it comes to global warming, yeah. suddenly uh, this, is a, this is a factor. Melinda Gates uh, f focused more on gender equality and the fact that women across the, the globe still do far more unpaid work than men who suck. Men! The problem is men! Thank you. Did, she, did Melinda, Melinda say that? Say then that? she said, where are the men? Where are the men? I know somebody else who said that, too. Do we have the Alex Jones thing? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think so, I but mean, it made me think uh, of that. Uh, um, so uh, where are the men? And so she also wants cleaner energy, cleaner roads, or better roads, <laughs> and cleaner roads probably, too, uh, and running water. I had an uh, interesting uh, conversation on uh, President's Day with my son-in-law. Oh, really? Who, uh, you know, he's pretty conservative, but he's got some... Little leanings? Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. uh, well, he, he entertains the, <clears throat> yeah. the left and, and his thing was, you know, and it took him a while to work up to it because I think he was yeah. really nervous about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, because he asked me about Cruz right during the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, talk about this after the Super Bowl? <laughs> Now's not the time. And uh, then we forgot, so I brought it up. He didn't I, forget, though. He didn't forget. No, he did not. <clears throat> and I, I actually remembered while, while he was over uh, this last time, and I said, so, well, you know, let's talk about Cruz. And he said, you know what my problem is with, uh, with, uh, you, you want to, you want to honestly know what my problem is with some of this stuff? Yes. Yeah. Go ahead and tell me. And he's like, well, I, I'm, I'm concerned about the environment. And I said, and conservatives aren't? Ted Cruz isn't? Do we want to pollute the air and water? I mean, they've done such a good job. Yes, they have. At, at indoctrination of the youth. And, you know, he's in his mid to late 20s, and it's been going on That's for... That's the perfect age. Oh, it's then. the perfect... Yeah. It is the target age where they've just... They've got him. You know, they've just brainwashed him into believing that conservatives hate the... Or don't care enough about it, at least. I mean, is there a single person that you know that doesn't care about the air and water? No. I mean, like I told him, ExxonMobil and, and Chevron and, and, and every coal company in the country... They've all cleaned up their acts. We used to have rivers that were on fire in the 1970s. Cities were black with smoke. Cities were literally Pittsburgh. black yeah. with smoke. You'll go to, go to Pittsburgh and you go to like the, they have museums and stuff there, and, and you'll see the pictures of what the city looked like. Yeah. You know, back when the steel thing was really going, and it was it's just a black cloud. Yeah. Over the entire city. So I mean, we've cleaned it all up. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're much, much better. We're much you know. better. And now, the, so the point of contention with people is uh, how real is the problem? I mean, is there global warming? Well, yeah, there's global warming. There's global cooling. We have a cyclical Earth climate here. And, and it, goes in, it goes in waves. And they can't even come up with the main point of contention. And that's whether or not CO2 drives temperature up. Or does the temperature going up drive CO2 up as well? I mean, it happens both ways. According so there's no, there's no, yeah, 
even according to Al Gore. So there's no conclusive evidence that, that, that you can even do anything about that or you can pinpoint the problem. Yeah. Or, or if there even is a problem. Right. And um, I mean, look, human life is, you know, flourishing more than it ever has in human right. history. So to say that right, right now the environment is a problem is a little bit of a reach. But even I always find it entertaining to look at what the solution is. Right. Like what they'll say, and you know, I'm sure you, uh, I'm sure maybe your, uh, was it your, your son-in-law, son-in-law? Mm-hmm. Um, might come up with these points. And, and like, for example, the very aggressive uh, Paris Accord that we just went through. Yeah. Um, and they're now we're now all of a sudden finding out there are actually are ramifications to it, which we were told earlier huh. that there weren't any. Because if mm. there were, there it would be a treaty, and the Senate would have to approve it. But there are none. This is all voluntary. But now we're finding out that there actually actually are. Uh, Things where standards were, were being held to? Right, which is odd. Yeah, it is um, odd. Because his EPA mm. rules just got overturned. So now, he, you know, or at least might be overturned um, in the end uh, game. But when, even if you apply that standard and you actually go through with the Paris Accord, and it actually works, and every country actually goes through and limits their own economy mm. and limits their own production and limits their own budgets and doesn't, uh, you know, go through with the cheapest energy available, but they go with more expensive energy to cut... Uh, to cut uh, their emissions. And they go through all of this, and all of it is successful. What you do is save 0.05 degrees by the year 2100. 0.05 degrees. Now, that's well within the margin of error. So Mm -hmm. you won't actually know that you saved it, but in theory, you've saved 0.05 degrees by 2100. And you've spent, in the the interim, multiple trillions of dollars to accomplish this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just dumb. We have Um, to do... Something, something. And I, yeah, yeah, but we have something. to do something. And, and they've and done so, such a good job with the youth convincing them of that. Yeah, that we got to do something. Right. And, and I think okay, let's just say that we agree on that premise, which I don't, of course. Mm-hmm. But let's just say that we agree on that premise. I'll give you that. Just tell me what's going, what you need to do. Give it to me, and let's do a cost-benefit analysis on what what you're proposing. Right. The, the do something is not. People say, well, do something. Well, they they don't know. What uh, you know, they don't have a great idea or whatever. Do something is not because they don't have a great idea. It's because they know exactly what they want to do. They just can't tell you. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm, that does not mean you know your son-in-law. That means people who are no, right. at high levels of government who right. say, if you actually want to do this, what you're doing is you're shutting down 60 percent of the power in the United States and trying to figure out a way. And uh, nobody's going to tell you no that. No one's going to tell you that. It's taking every car off the road. It's it's shutting down industry. Mm-hmm. There are of course you know things you can do. Um, but they're not going to solve that and problem. And we're happy to do them. And, and by the way, I mean, with Bill Gates saying that we need to come up with something, I'm all about that. Yeah. Good. Every conservative wants to come up with something. Show me what it is. All right. And this is, this is right here uh, where an honest statement from Bill Gates. What we need is a miracle. Yeah. And it's not because we don't have technology that can, that can uh, we're about to tell you about some technology right. that can give you z- zero emission of power. Exactly. Which is, you know, we told you about the company Go for a long time and solar power. We like solar power. We do commercials for solar power. We yeah. do commercials for it. That's how much we freaking like it. The point, though, is that when you're trying to talk about a national and global, by the way, change in the way that we produce our energy, that comes in small bursts. It comes uh, as technology advances. It comes as, as, as technology becomes cheaper. We told you, uh, Go using Go as an example here. It's perfect because it's our commercial this half hour. Solar power sucked for a long freaking time. Mm-hmm. You, no one, I would never have told you to go put solar power on your house because but, it was terrible and you had to put up $30,000 up front and it would never pay for itself. But what happened? Entrepreneurship. Yes. Right? Go came along. This great company 
uh, called Go, and they created solar energy. They made it affordable for you at your house because they took away the initial cost, which was oftentimes twenty or thirty thousand dollars. So they cut that price solar. in half. They, they, so it's like fifteen thousand. They cut it now. all the way down to zero, Jeffy. <laughs> What? I guess Thank we've ended the rant and actually entered the commercial yes. now. Yes. Uh, but the point is uh, that you, this is something that, you know, to, to end the rant here, this is something that you have to do over a long period of time. And the only thing that will bring you to the solution, if this is the solution you want to solve, is capitalism. Yeah. Uh, right. So let me give you a good example of the capitalism with Go. You're going to save 20 to 30 percent on what you're paying now to power your home. And you're going to pay zero dollars down. Yeah, but there's nobody who's taken advantage of this. That's the problem. No, it's right? six, six, sixty thousand <laughs> satisfied Holy customers. What? Yeah, sixty thousand. Uh, wow, this is that the best warranty like in the industry. Uh-huh. Uh, go is the one you want to go with if you want to do this. Yeah, but I want to. I want to go with one of the bigger residential companies. Yeah, they you know, are actually one this. of the biggest residential solar companies in America with over 60 local offices, and you don't have to huh. worry about customer service. Or what maintenance, about maintenance? Which, oh, okay. You maintenance, which, it. by the way, was the, another huge problem with solar for a long time. Thank you. Right? you put yes. these things up, you spend $30,000, and you, and you don't, don't know see what the people who installed them again. Right. Uh, that's been solved, too. I don't want to spend the $30,000. You don't have to. Don't you don't have pay to. zero. And Jeffy, you've never had $30,000 in your life. That's why I don't want to spend it, Stu. See, again, a company has come up with a way where you can you can do this. Uh, so it's just check out if it's available in your area at GoSolarWithTheBlaze.com. GoSolarWithTheBlaze.com and power your home more affordably with GoSolarWithTheBlaze.com. Uh, wow. Uh, according to a new study, Canadians are divided hmm. over the human role in climate change. Somebody found their tar sands. <laughs> that does make a difference, doesn't it? It does. All of a sudden, they found that they're one of the largest oil fields on Earth. <laughs> on what? Earth. And shockingly, now, all of a sudden, they're like, wait a minute. This climate change doesn't sound right. <laughs> it's sand. It's some black stuff in sand. It sounds great. How bad can it be? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, if they're... If we create a nuclear night, so what? <laughs> so? And? Night's great. Some of the best things happen at night. That's right. You know, first dates. Try to uh, sleep when the sun is out. Right. Try it. Thank you. Try you it. Can't do it's, it. It's, you can't. it's difficult. Uh, 44% of Canadians surveyed believe the Earth is getting warmer, mostly because of human activity. 61% believe Earth is getting warmer, partly or mostly because. 66% do support a cap-and-trade system. 49% believe taxes should be increased on carbon-based fuels. I mean, so it's still... It's still, still definitely more to the left of Still more to but... the left uh, of the U.S. But, I mean, that's, uh, that's not as far as you would expect from Canadians. So we didn't get the, uh, the ending of this conversation that you had with your uh, son-in-law. With my son-in-law. Well, so have you kicked him out of the house? He can't uh, come back? I said, yeah, don't ever come back here. Uh, I can't uh, handle somebody who you... has any c- contention with me at all. Uh, any point of... <laughs> disagreement mm-hmm. i can't abide it mm-hmm. i thought so that's what uh, you're concerned about that's what you're <laughs> right right no i i just went through you know the, i want clean air and water i mean we all do ted cruz certainly wants clean air and water wants to treat the earth as as well as we possibly can we want to be good stewards of the planet of course um but the 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 point of contention is uh how much effect do we have on it which i don't i think is minimal at best, uh, or at worst, 
and and what you do about it. Do you spend ten trillion dollars trying to fix something when there's a point nine degree increase over a hundred year period of time, and then no increase over the last eighteen years? Plus, uh, show me the catastrophic occurrences that are happening. I, I don't see them. No, they, I mean, what what catastrophic global warming is there going on? No trend of increase in tornadoes. No, no trend of increasing doubt. No, in fact, the opposite. Hurricanes is a complete opposite. It's a huge decrease. Um, I think too one of the polar ice caps are all there. It's it's sort of like one of those things where uh, the conservative who has that question is more typically an honest questioner. Right. Yeah. You know, liberals, it's part is. of their dogma. You know, they're going to, yeah. they have to be, be a bit, but someone who's conservative and has one issue with global warming is an interesting one because it's not just what you're talking about, which is obviously all valid and, and you know, the, the science, there are questions about it. How do you deal with it? How do you, how do you, uh, how do you um, pay for it? All the things that we've talked about a lot of times mm-hmm. uh, when we talk about global warming. One of the other things, though, if you're a conservative, is who do you think best would deal with it if you're right? Who's the, who, 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 I mean, for example, if the issue is that you need to get packages from one side of the country to the other, who is best to deal with that? Is it the post office or is it Federal Express? Uh, is it UPS? What's, who, who does that better than anybody else? Government, mm-hmm. of course. <laughs> right. And I think you, you're talking to a conservative. What you're gonna do, I mean, we use the joking example of do you want pipe, uh, public schools or private schools? Do you want public pools or private pools? Do you want public bathrooms or private bathrooms? <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, I know. You, well, you like the public bathrooms, but you use it for other purposes. The point, though, is uh, that y- you have a situation where if this is true, what you're going to get is a great innovation by probably someone like Elon Musk, who's going to put his own money into mm-hmm. a company like this, like Tesla, or like the battery companies that he's developing, or other ideas that he has. And over a period of time, you will, you will solve this problem through innovation and capitalism. If you put it in the hands of the government, they're going to screw it up, it's going to cost way too much, and it's, they're never going to get it done. You, what you need are brilliant entrepreneurs to build companies around these things, and specifically, as we've seen in the case of Elon Musk, somebody who doesn't mind losing money for a while. Um, you know, yeah. you get a billionaire who believes in a cause, and, you know, the Koch brothers spend how much money on politics, and everyone criticizes them over that, but they believe it's what's best for the country, and they don't mind losing money doing it. Um, and the same thing goes with Elon Musk. He, he, you know, Tesla is, is not a good idea to invest in 10 years ago. We did a special on global warming in 2006 on CNN Headline News in which we featured Tesla as a positive. Look, here's an entrepreneur who someday might create a giant car company who will uh, maybe help with this issue and -hmm. develop technology that might be so superior to what we have now that no one's going to want to use the old crap. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's on his way to doing that. But to do that, he needed to lose a little cash and he needed to believe in it. Well, he did that. And he's on his way of making. It's a company that everybody wants. This the increase. Uh, the car uh, sales are increasing by pretty much a hundred percent a year right now with Tesla. He's on his way to doing exactly what he wanted to do. And what it took was not government, although government, you know, did have a role in some subsidies there, but it was unnecessary. People were the yeah. people buying a hundred thousand dollar Teslas were not saying, "Wait a minute, I will not spend one hundred seven thousand dollars for this car." <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, government dumped money into it because they, of course, everyone wants free money and they're going to take it. Uh, but that's not the reason why that company was built. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it shouldn't be built. It shouldn't be, have anything to do with government. And that's the thing. Ted Cruz is going to free up uh, uh, in, industry to do these things on their own. 
they won't have to pay these ridiculously high tax rates. What do companies like Elon Musk do with another 30% because they're not paying as high taxes? What do they do mm. when they can uh, have all sorts of tax deductions or they're able to have a low flat rate if Cruz actually gets It'll what he revolutionize wants. things. It'll change the world. I mean, Glenn has often spoken about what a you know, 30% increase in our revenue would do for us. Mm. Here at this, you know, it'll employ hundreds more people. Yeah. Um, it, it'll it'll create new programs. It'll do all kinds of things that will then spiral into a whole bunch of new jobs and new venues and new situations. And it's you know it's it's going to be like that for every business mm -hmm. and and every entrepreneur worth his salt uh, once they're freed up in in a in an economy where you're actually doing capitalism, where the government isn't involved in every aspect of your life, where you get the government out of the way. And you just free people up to go ahead and do it. Well, that's that's the way America flourished in the first place. You should have uh, next time your son-in-law is coming into town. You should do a. Uh, you should just do have a dinner. You're just gonna have a dinner. You know, a dinner. No big deal. Just gonna have a couple people over, and then like Alex Epstein should come in. We had him on before. Where he's oh, like yeah. the guy. Yes. The yeah. moral case for fossil fuels. He <laughs> should just be there. Just like ah, just, just start a conversation. You should just start setting ringers to yeah. your dinners. Oh, Alex I would like be that. great. Yeah. yeah, he would be good. <laughs> He'd be great. He'd be good. Like a, a Chris uh, Horner from <laughs> from uh, Competitive Enterprise Institute just comes in and just be like, he's got like every stat in the world about global warming. Mark Morano. Yeah. He's just all of a sudden, wait, wait, who are you? I've seen you guys on TV before. No, I don't think. They're just no, friends. They're just friends. I'm in yeah, TV. And they're friends. They're in the neighborhood. And uh, <laughs> people that uh, we invited over. That's all. Uh, but I think I think he you know he really he's considering it. I don't know that I convinced him. Um, uh, in fact, I, I think he swayed me. I'm a firm believer that we need to spend ten trillion dollars a year on global warming. Good. I think I'm completely turned around. You you you. So he turned you. Yeah, he turned me around. Wow. Yeah. Ten, yeah. Just the ten so, trillion though. Just ten trillion. Is eleven trillion too much? Um, yes, I wouldn't spend eleven trillion. That's ridiculous. For the entire globe? Yeah. I no. I'm talking about just in the United States. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. oh my gosh, no. I mean, a hundred trillion is probably not enough for the globe. How much is it, how much is worth paying for air? Who needs it? <laughs> so that you can't taste it? You mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm just saying, clean air. Uh, is there ever? Is there any price not worth playing? No, there's no air? price no. because do you want to? We have to do something. We have to do something. I've had That's the same right, conversation with people that I know, and it's it's a frustrating one because it's just it's frustrating. You know, wait a minute. Think about how you think about every other issue. Do you believe that they do the government does a good job with roads or health care or anything the else? almost always no. No. I mean, we, we even praise the military, and the, and the military has our best people mm -hmm. in it. The best people in the world go into the military, in my opinion. Um, but still, even there, you you deal with and accept an incredible amount of inefficiency. You, you And that's part of the deal with the military. I'm fine accepting um, some level of inefficiency because I want them to try to develop a new weapon uh, and maybe it doesn't work out. I want them to try to develop some new unbelievable uh, gun that keeps our uh, troops safer and can kill terrorists better. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, sometimes those things might not work out. I don't necessarily want them to worry about pinching pennies. But even there, like, you're going to... You, you, 
constantly we hear huge stories of waste in the military. Well, and yeah, that's yeah. the best arm of the government. You have the world-renowned stories of the Air Force paying $500 for a, a wrench yeah. and $600 for a toilet seat, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Stuff, and that's the minor stuff. I mean, yeah. you look at some of the stuff where we've lost millions of dollars of equipment. We've, you know, I mean, there's horror stories all around the globe with that stuff. And that's right. the, those are the good ones. Yeah. These are the people in the military who are actually good. Um, yeah. You know, I, to go to some of these other branches, the IRS, you want them, I mean, think about that. The IRS, you, we're always talking about shutting them down. I mean, yeah, we should shut them down, but look at what they're doing when they're still open. They're investigating political enemies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they are paying. Uh, a friend of mine had uh, turned in his taxes, and uh, they sent him back a very nice note, which said, why are you asking us for your refund? You already got it. He said, um, well, I would know that. I'm the person. Uh, well, no, someone else had filed uh, their taxes under his name and got a nice, big, hefty refund, oh, which man. is great, except that he Jeez. hadn't even submitted his taxes yet. Um, so this stuff happens all so the time. So what now? Is it, is it worked out? Or uh, it did wind up working out over a, a six-month period of, of course. nonstop emails. Sure. and working But again, the money, still, the person still got it. I mean, while he, his situation was taken care of, that just meant the government was spending double of your money. Right. Because uh, they paid a refund to some, some criminal and to the person who actually deserved it. That's great. I mean, that's, it's an, it's, it was, a, for him, a positive ending. But that's for us, happened. right? I yeah. mean, you know. Yeah. And this happens all the time. So who do you really want to deal with a problem as big as global warming you say is? You want the government dealing with it? Really? I don't think you do. 888 back. More Pat and Stu coming up in a sec. Beck, it's Pat and Stu. Uh, we're going to tell you about the, uh, as promised, some of the uh, greatest frenemies in political history. People who are friends and enemies. Or frenemies. Um, these two worked together on the uh, Declaration, of, Declaration of Independence. Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, you may have heard of them. They were at least initially a case of, a uh, classic case of opposites attracting. Uh, in terms of temperament, upbringing, physical appearance, these guys couldn't have been more different. And, you know, their competing ideologies helped solidify America's two-party system. They had a... <clears throat> they were actually pretty good friends in the beginning. They were, they were okay and, and became pretty close, despite their political differences. Then they ran against each other for president in 1800, and things got really ugly. I mean, really ugly. And so... Uh, Jefferson wound up calling Adams a hermaphrodite. And he said Adams was a hermaphrodite. Sad. No, he didn't. He didn't say sad. <laughs> he didn't. No, I thought that's what the, yeah. all good politicians did. <laughs> Adams is a hermaphrodite. Was a neither... dog. Yeah, no, like he didn't, a dog. Didn't say that he was as hermaphrodite as a dog. Came to my office little... begging for money for a surgery, like a dog. <laughs> a little more biting than that, actually. And and Adams. <laughs> 
responded to Jefferson by saying that women would be, would be raped and children would be killed in the streets, that kind of thing. I mean, it was a really ugly, <laughs> and it, it really wrecked their friendship for a long time. Did they Were they able to delete the tweets? Uh, they uh, eventually later? deleted the tweets in their minds. Adams never <laughs> forgot his earliest impressions of the younger patriot, though a silent, he says, though a silent member in Congress, he'd recall in 1822, Mr. Jefferson was so prompt, frank, explicit, and decisive upon committees and in conversation that he soon seized upon my heart. Uh, they were appointed to the Committee of Five, a group charged with penning and writing uh, what would become the definitive case for colonial independence, of course, the Declaration of Independence. And then, of course, then they were unfriends in 1800, and then they later became, I think it was around 1818 or 1820-ish, hmm. they started writing to each other again, and then they kind of forgot all the political differences and wound up dying on the same day, an hour apart from each other. On the 50th anniversary of the founding of the country. I mean, it's, it's an amazing story. And if you don't believe there was some uh, divine hand in that, then... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. Yeah. Oh, cool yes, I did, I did bring it to that. Oh, I did go there. Yeah. Sorry. Story. I apologize. All right. How about uh, as Adams' vice president, uh, Thomas Jefferson, quietly undermined him? Naturally, the two often uh, found themselves at odds, which is uh, typical sometimes mm -hmm. from between a president and a vice president. Never was this fact more apparent than during the winter of 1798. Disgusted by mm -hmm. the Alien and Sedition Act spearheaded by President Adams, Jefferson mm -hmm. mounted an anonymous attack against them. Behind uh, Adams' back, Jefferson drafted the creatively titled Kentucky Resolution, passing his handiwork along to allies in the Bluegrass State. The resolution passed that November. Um, the Alien and Sedition Act is still making news today. Really, I mean, it's still being utilized by, you know, the current president. Pretty much, it's reporters. Yeah. yeah, right. It used it more than anyone else. And and by the way, a horrible act, uh, unconstitutional act. And Jefferson was right to uh, be against it. They squared off in one of the ugliest presidential races, as we as we talked about. Um, contrary to popular belief, the presidential politics have pretty much always been dirty. Um, in the election of eighteen hundred. Adams' backers released a pamphlet that called uh, Jefferson nothing but a mean-spirited, low-lived fellow. <laughs> and uh, that was some of the tamer stuff, actually. I could, we could go into the uh, uh, Google search and find much worse than that. Uh, Jefferson, it was Jeffersonians penned Adams as a hideous character with neither... Yeah, this is where he called him a hermaphrodite. With neither the force and firmness of a man nor the gentleness and sensibility of a woman. Now you'd get in trouble for saying something like that because that would be. I, I mean, we're somehow beating up a guy for saying women came out of the kitchen. Yeah, I know. You I seem know. to. I mean, this was Break. actually people. Can we be honest and at least tell the people the truth here? Jeffy was planning a presidential run with his slogan to be "Get the women out of the kitchen," <laughs> uh, and he's very disappointed that John Kasich. Took or was it back into the kitchen? Back into the kitchen. Back sorry, I think it was. Yeah. 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 This thing just was like a put a. Yeah. Well, I think he took your slogan. Right. <laughs> no, that's sad. Um, so this is an interesting thing we were talking about um, the past week or two, because especially with Jeb Bush, who is dropped out of the presidential race. What happens to the cash that's left over? There's a reportedly, uh, between the Super PAC and the campaign, tens of millions of dollars still remaining with Jeb Bush. Uh, one thing's for sure, upset candidates can console themselves by putting the dough towards a new yacht or sailing off to recuperate. Uh -huh. Federal Election Commission 
has strict rules about what federal candidates can do with any leftover campaign uh -huh. money. The biggest directive is that they can't pocket it for personal use. Uh -huh. You might expect that. Mm -hmm. um, that would be awesome. I would totally run for president. Everybody if, that believe that. <laughs> if you could keep all the I leftover cash. He's brought in $100 million, but he hasn't gone out on a campaign event yet. <laughs> I know. It's so bad. i got to drop out now, guys. That's uh, sad. Uh, here's what campaign committees are allowed to do with any lingering cash. They can donate the funds to charities or political parties. So the money can be funneled mm -hmm. to the Republicans mm -hmm. or uh, some charity. Or contribute their charity, which they could take money from. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it can contribute $2,000 per election to other candidates, and it can save the money in case the candidate chooses to run again. I don't think that's going to happen with Jeb. However, those regulations don't apply to super PACs. This is the only, se mm. only the second election in which they have played a role. There are currently no rules to stipulate what happens to the money beyond that it cannot go to fund another federal candidate. So they can't, if he endorses Rubio, for example, they can't redirect that money to Rubio. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Much of the money tends to be returned to its original donors, used to wrap up the failed campaign, or donated back to a state-level candidate. The goal, however, is to always spend all of the cash, of course. And that's what a lot of you know, people were complaining about Bush. is, you know, He just kept running ads against Marco Rubio in particular and really hurt Rubio uh, through the process because he thought, saw that as his only lane to victory, um, which was probably true. Uh, and now you know, Rubio... I mean, if Bush hadn't spent that money against Rubio and instead spent it against Trump, this race probably looks a lot different. It probably does. It's it's a shame that nobody, I mean, nobody has the balls to take on Donald Trump. Nobody. Uh, even Jeb, as much as he took him on during the debates, never took him on in the ads. As far as I know, like you said, it was always Rubio. He spent a fortune. Somebody's got to go up against the bully, though, right? Well, it's I, funny because yeah. everyone thinks but they, they can beat him one-on-one. -on -one. So yeah. everyone is like, well, what you need to do is get it down to a one-on-one -on -one situation, and then I can beat him. And they're all doing that, so they're all beating up on each other, and no one ever takes this guy on. Right. It is unbelievable. And he continues to get stronger. Yeah. That's what the... And it is, it is, on. you know, when you think about the strategy here, it, he has around 25 or 30% support, right, Trump? And that's pretty solid, and that's about where it's probably going gotten, to stay. You're right. He hasn't gotten that much stronger. So, like I right. Thought, really. So everybody else is thinking, all right, that means 70% of the vote is out there for mm -hmm. the taking. Yep. So if I can just get everybody else out, I I'm going to get the vast majority of the other 70%. I'm going to beat this guy 50 to 40. That sounds good. 55 40. Except the guy that's holding strong with the 25 to 30% yeah. is running scorched earth. So by the time you go one on one with him, you're already done. Yeah, I, I mean it's. You might be right. Who knows? I, I mean, don't know. I, I don't know. We'll I, see. You know, I think there's still. It's interesting. I had a, heard it, read a really interesting theory on this this morning, and I wish I could remember who who it was. I think it was Washington Post, maybe. But anyway, it was the theory was why did the GOP, the establishment, uh, never step up to stop Donald Trump? Why did they never do anything? They essentially just let all this happen and, if anything, supported him many times. Yeah. So why didn't they ever do anything? And the theory was that um, they compared it to framing pitches in baseball. You know, as a catcher, you, you, you know, the ball is a little bit outside, you kind of frame it, and it makes it, well, you're trying to make a catch a strike. Mm -hmm. And what they found is over the past 10 years, the benefits of a catcher who's able to frame a pitch has started to deteriorate because with all of the analytics that go on now with baseball, and the the uh, the pitch FX thing and right. everything where they can track exact strikes balls, umps have become more careful. They don't want to call pitches that are ball strikes because it hurts their performance. So they've had the incentive to call the pitches more accurately and look for people framing. And because people have talked about framing pitches for so long now, they look to they try to catch catchers doing it. 
and they don't allow it to work anymore. And this is kind of the thing what they were saying with um, so with, with with the Trump uh, election is that there were so many pieces of information and analysis that said that Trump couldn't win. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I was one of the ones giving them to you, uh, among other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was so much history, so much that would say that Trump couldn't do what he's done even so far. And obviously he has not won yet. But there was so much that they kind of just all figured to themselves, well, eventually this is going to fall apart. And they never actually did anything. Mm-hmm. So they never took the steps necessary to make the analysis true, which was they needed to step up. The analysis always priced in the idea that the establishment would step up and stop a guy like this. Instead, they just st- st- sat back and said, well, eventually he'll fall apart. And he never did because they never did anything to stop it. Uh, kind of an interesting, mm-hmm. infra- I don't know if it's actually true or not, but it's kind of an interesting theory. Oh, well, now, and now it's too late. Now, yeah, now it's too late. They're right? talking I mean, about now they're gonna, they might start something like that's going to start after Super Tuesday. It's like, yeah, but that's going to be too late, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. they're, I mean, they've got to either embrace or at least maybe not embrace, but they just they kind of think they can take it on now. It's too late. It makes them look too bad. Uh, I don't know. I think you still do it. I mean, uh, believe me, I think everything should be done to stop this guy. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, right. you know, no question. I mean, you've seen like now. Uh, people are starting to come out and say, I will not vote for him any, under any circumstances. Eric Erickson from Red State, who mm-hmm. he was in the, the group with Glenn who, who did, that wrote on National Review. Yep. But in his, if you read his column in National Review, he said, look, uh, he's really bad, but if he's a Republican nominee, I will support him because he's much better than Hillary Clinton. He's changed that now. Yeah. He said, nope. Steven Stevenson said the same thing. Same thing. Triple eight seven two seven back. Uh, more about Greg Harrison. Greg, Greg, Greg Gregory. Gregory. Greg Gregory said the same thing. I don't know about Greg. I don't Greg Gregerson, you didn't even look that up. If you come to the table and do this show, and don't tell me what Greg Dave, Gregerson. David thinks. Davidson said this. Well, he said something slightly. Different. Yeah, it was a little yeah, slightly similar, but. Uh... So the uh, Golden Globes were, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, right? A month mm-hmm. ago, and Martian won for uh, best drama, musical, or comedy, <laughs> which right. doesn't seem to be a musical or a comedy. Uh, we noticed that. Uh, mm-hmm. America seemed to notice it, and uh, Mashable also noticed that. And uh, they were able to put this together to kind of point out the absurdity. Watch. For the crew of the Ares 3, life on Mars was good. Oh, wow. Did everybody hear that? Mark just discovered dirt. Should we <laughs> alert the media? Shut your smart mouth. <laughs> Until the day they left for home, but astronaut Mark Watney didn't get the memo. <laughs> Dear America, remember that astronaut? Turns out he's alive and we left him on Mars. Our bad. Sincerely, NASA. This outrageous comedy will make you explode with laughter. I blew myself up. Watch as NASA's top scientists tried just about anything to bring him home. I hate everyone of you. Get out. But until they do, Mark is taking up a few hobbies. From lighthouse cleaning and space gardening to baking with his own poo. It's like the Smithsonian of loneliness. Everything is being broadcast live. Yeah? Oh, my God. Everyone agrees this comedy is out of this world.
sign me up. And now, everyone's favorite comedy is the Golden Globe winner for Best Motion Picture. You've got to be kidding me. And, oh yeah, it's also a musical. Surprise. Mark Watney's still alive. What attempts have been made to make contact with Mark? In the face of overwhelming odds, I'm left with only one option. I'm gonna have to science the spit out of this. An instant classic that will get the whole family singing along. We're doing everything in our power to bring him home alive. I am the greatest buzz in the stars that I will return you. The Martian. <laughs> really, really nicely done. See you tomorrow. <laughs>